Good morning, church. Do you really believe God is great? Say amen. He really is. He really is. Well, I'm excited to share with you today, and I've got to really get going because I got in trouble in the first service. Uh, Time-wise, I don't want to get in trouble in the second service. Last week, I introduced an idea of dealing with our dark side. And I want to kind of just catch those of you up who weren't here last week and remind those of you who were here what we talked about, but I got to go quick with the review. We all have a dark side. Every one of us do. Even the Apostle Paul, who is arguably one of the greatest and most impactful Christians who have ever walked this planet, he dealt with a dark side. He recorded it in his letter to the Romans in chapter 7. And one verse of a passage says this in Romans 7.15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Can we relate to that or what, huh? You know, we want to live for God, and we're sincere in that. We really do. And sometimes we just say, what is wrong with me? I want to do the right thing. I want to live for God. But the things I want to do, I struggle doing. And it's the things that I don't want to do that I find myself always doing. See, that's kind of our dark side. That's our dark side behavior. It can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. People tend to go right to alcoholism and drug addiction and sex addiction and all that. And those can be dark sides, but there's a host of other things and behaviors that represent our dark side. Impatience, road rage, compulsive spending, gambling, uh, just impatience and and, and gossip and, and, and integrity issues. All those can be our dark side. Now, what we learned about them last week is that we know there are characteristics that represent our dark side because they're repetitive. This isn't something that we had some impulse reaction to some temptation. This is something that has repeated itself in our life. Now, the reason it repeats itself is because it's medicative. In other words, whatever that dark side behavior is, somehow gives us a temporary rush when we succumb to it. That's why we succumb to it because it provides us that temporary zip, that temporary rush. Now, because it's repetitive, we can come to believe that it's unmanageable and that it's just bigger than we are and there's no way we're ever gonna overcome it and so it's gonna control our life from time to time and we just kind of rationalize and settle and that's the wrong thing to do. Because it's also degenerative. Just kind of like that drug addict who who starts with marijuana, and that's just enough, but pretty soon marijuana just isn't exciting anymore. Got to go to this drug. And then the dosage of that drug isn't enough, so got to up the dosage or alcohol or food or whatever it is. See, it's degenerative. We take greater risks involved in this, and we need more of whatever it is. Finally, if we don't deal with it, it's destructive. It can destroy our health, it can destroy our relationships, it can destroy our jobs, it can destroy our finances, it can destroy... But if we leave it and don't manage it and don't deal with it, sometimes, somehow, someplace, it'll creep up and cause havoc in our life. Paul was so frustrated. Romans 7, 24, he said, what a wretched man I am. Can you, you feel his frustration? He's languishing over the fact that this is part of his life. And we can languish over the same thing. Sometimes we say, I'm such a loser, God. 
I'm such a mutant. God, I'm a mistake. All those other people that come to that church, they got it going, but not me, God. I'm the one who is unhinged. Not true. So last week we saw to deal with our dark side, we've got to do at least four things, and I'm going to add a fifth today. We need to read God's word regularly, regularly. It's got to become a, a constant part of our behavior, of our life. We've got to replace all the stuff cultures pump into our head with what God wants us to know. We need to tap into the power of prayer. You cannot have an intimate relationship with anyone you don't talk to. If we're never talking to God, how are we going to build intimacy with him? How is he going to talk back to us? We need to create personal boundaries. We need to not live out Einstein's definition of insanity, of doing the same thing the same way over and over and over again, expecting different results. It's not going to happen. We've got to make some changes in our life. We talked about those last week. And finally, we talked about accountability. We, we need to have somebody or some buddies help us Overcome this dark side. Paul says in 2 Timothy, we need to confess our sins to each other that we may be healed. In other words, we need to build an accountability group. Ephesians chapter 6 says two are better than one. If someone falls down, he has a friend to help him up. It says, but pity the one who falls down doesn't have anybody to help him up. So we need to build accountability in our lives. Those are four things that we can do to manage our dark side rather than having our dark sides manage us. Now, last week I ended with this thought, that we have one more powerful weapon in our arsenal against our dark side. Now, Jesus introduces us to this weapon in the fourth manuscript of the New Testament, the book of John in chapter 16. Beginning in verse 5, Jesus says this to his disciples, Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. Let me just stop there and explain what's happening. Jesus is, is getting ready to go to the cross. His days are numbered and he knows it. Now, he's been telling his disciples that. You'd be amazed as you read through the Gospels how many times Jesus tells his disciples exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be delivered into the hands of the chief priests. They're going to crucify me. On the third day, I'm going to raise again. Over and over again, throughout his ministry, he taught his disciples that. Now it's getting ready for the event to actually happen. Now his disciples are more involved in their own grief that Jesus is going to leave them because Jesus has brought them prominence. Remember before Jesus, some of them were fishermen and they were tax collectors. They were nobodies, now they're somebodies. And it's all about Jesus. And so now they're filled with grief, but not for Jesus. Jesus says, you haven't even asked where I'm going. But then Jesus says this, and this is important. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Jesus said, listen, it's for your good. Let me fill with all this grief. It's for your good that I'm going. Now, why was it for their good that Jesus would leave? He goes on to explain, latter part of verse 7. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus said, it's better that I go. Because while I'm here, all you got is me. And you can't be with me 24-7. But if I go, I'm going to send the counselor, the Holy Spirit, to you. Now, what's the big deal? Up until the time of Jesus' resurrection, 
and the advent of the Holy Spirit coming at the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God was not given to humanity. It was only given to certain individuals who God was calling for a certain task. For example, in Judges chapter 3, verse 10, when he called Othniel to be the first judge of Israel, says the Spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. God would anoint certain individuals with the presence of the Holy Spirit to guide them and to give them power. But the vast population did not have the Holy Spirit. They were involved in a ritualistic form of relationship with God through sacrifices and, 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 and whatnot. Romans 7, 6, though, says, Paul says, but now, dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we may serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Basically, what Paul's saying is, now everything's changed. Everything's changed now. No longer do we serve God. No longer do we worship God through rituals. Now, sometimes we fall into that, but we shouldn't. He says, instead, we have been given the opportunity to live life by and with and through the Holy Spirit of God. See, Jesus had to go back to the Father so that God could deploy his divine attribute of omnipresence. We know three things about God, that he's omnipotent, which means God is all what? Powerful. We know he's omniscient, which means God is all knowing. But he's also omnipresent, means that God's presence can be everywhere at the same time. I really think this is where the author of, of the Star Wars uh, uh, saga got the idea of the force. The force permeates the universe. God's spirit is what permeates the universe. The psalmist said, where can I go from your presence? If I go to the depths of the sea, you're there. If I go to the heights of the sky, you're there. If I go east, if I go west, you're there. See, God, through his divine attribute of omnipresence, can be everywhere at one time. Ephesians 1.13 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, of Jesus dying on the cross, being buried, and coming back to life. It said, having believed. In other words, when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it says, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples? It's good for you that I go. Because if I go, the counselor will come. Now, the Holy Spirit is the counselor. And for every human being who trusts Jesus as their Savior, they are sealed. They are indwelt with the Spirit of God. They are part of God's, God's omnipresence. God is in them. So I trust in Christ. He's in me. Gail, you trust in Christ. He's in you. He's in all of us here today, who have trusted Christ. Now, what does that spirit look like? 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity. Now listen, believer. This is not the posture of a believer, of a child of God. But often that's where we go. 
See, he hasn't given us that kind of spirit. He who lives in us is powerful. That's why scripture says, greater is he who is in you than is in the world. It says he has given us a spirit of power, of love. That's how it's manifested. Not in condescending attitudes and that, but in love. He says, but a power of self-discipline. He has given us the power to resist things. So how does this relate to our dark side? Well, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Listen, I know sometimes we feel like freaks and we, we feel like we're the only one who is, falls under temptation. We're the only one that Satan attacks. But listen, no matter what your dark side behavior is, others struggle with it. It's not uncommon. It's not unique. Other people struggle with it too. He goes on to say, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, sometimes we want to challenge that statement, don't we? Because sometimes, remember, one of the characteristics of our dark side is it can seem to be unmanageable. And we can say, God, that's not true because this thing's bigger than I am. I can't resist it. Yes, you can. Goes on to say, but when you are tempted, when that dark side presents itself again, it says he will also provide you a way out so that you can stand up under it. God promises that our dark side is not unmanageable. So therefore, it does not need to come to destruction. He will give us a way out. And that way often, I might say usually, comes through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. John 14, 26, Jesus says, But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. Remind you of what is good and what is bad, what is true, what is false. John 16, 13, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you. He will be your guide in all truth. Now, that doesn't just mean help you understand spiritual things. That means he'll guide you in what is good. He'll guide you in what is wrong. He'll guide you in what you, you should do. He'll guide you in what you should avoid and stay with you. He will be your guide out of that moment of temptation. He will speak, that scripture says, only what he hears. In other words, the Holy Spirit's only going to say to you what God tells him to say to you. So whenever the Holy Spirit is active in your life and talking to you, communicating with you, you can be sure that the Holy Spirit's not making it up. It's not coming from you. God is speaking to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Now, how does the Holy Spirit do that? That's where I want to spend the rest of our time together this morning. How does the Holy Spirit communicate with us? There's a lot of mystery, and there's a lot of, a, a lot of uh, false understanding of how that happens. I'm reminded of the story of the Christian recording artist who went into the studio to record a Christian album. They got all of it set up. The sound engineer in the sound booth gave a count off, and, and they started going. She started singing and recording. And, and pretty quick into the recording, all of a sudden she stopped. She goes, no, no, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. It, it's just not right. It, he's not here. And the engineer in the booth clicked on his mic. He said, excuse me, man, what's wrong? Who's not here? She said, the Holy Spirit. He's just not here. He's just not here. 
And so she said, we got to pray. So they prayed and they bowed their heads and they prayed for a while. She goes, okay, let's do it again. They started again, but shortly she goes, no, 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 he's still not here. He's still not here. And so she got on the phone and she called some of her friends over and they came over and they prayed and they started anointing all the instruments with oil and stuff, you know, and, and they started praying and stuff. And, and so she started again and said, no, no, it's still not here. And finally, they, they just went on and prayed for an extended period of time. And she goes, let's go again. And this time when they started, the sound technician looked down and happened to notice that the reverb on her monitor was off. And so he turned the reverb up. And she started to sing, and, she, and all of a sudden she threw her hands up and she said, praise God, there he is, he's here, he's here, the Holy Spirit is here. The sound technician didn't have the heart to tell her that, that there's nothing holy about reverb. <laughs> but at least they got the record recorded. See, we, we, we have all these distorted thinkings about how God speaks to us and what this is all about. Now, I'm, I'm going to go into some deep water here with you now. And for some of you, it's going to be very affirming because you have learned to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and you have learned to yield to that voice. For some of you, this is getting to one of those parts of, of religion that I don't know if I want to mess with this. This stuff is too mystical for me. Well, just, just hear it out. Maybe you're going to learn something here. For some of you, you never heard this before. Because whatever church you went to, or maybe you just started the church, you, you've never been taught this. So hang on and bear with me, and let me teach you about the Holy Spirit this morning. Let me teach you how the Holy Spirit communicates with you. The first way is with an inner witness, just a presence. Remember, when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are indwelt with the Spirit. We have something in us that wasn't in us before. And that's the presence of God through the Holy Spirit, his omnipresence. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. In other words, it's, it's, it's a presence, it's a sense that we have that something's different, that God now is, is present in our life. Paul says in Romans 9, 1, I speak the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. So this inner witness first manifests itself, and let me, let me kind of clue you into when you first possibly experience it. When you heard the gospel, when somebody presented the gospel to you, either in church or on TV, or the radio, a friend, a book, or whatever, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and on the third day he rose from the dead. You were given a choice of whether you were going to accept Jesus or you are going to reject Jesus. Well, at that moment, if you can think back, there was a presence that was witnessing to you that what you were hearing about Jesus was true and that you needed to receive Jesus. That presence was the Holy Spirit. That witness was the Holy Spirit drawing you to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that presence has been there with you in, in many different ways. Maybe something really goes wrong in your life. And, and in most situations, people would be reacting with fear. But all of a sudden, you're not. And instead, there is what the Bible says, a peace that passes understanding. That peace is the Holy Spirit. It's presence there. And it's not an audible voice. It's not a vision. There's nothing really mystical about it. It's just a presence 
that you sense. Now, it's not a false thing. And if you will develop your relationship with Christ, you will learn to recognize that presence and, and know that it's just not something you're thinking or some emotional response, but that it really is the presence of God in your life. It's just that inner witness that he's there. It can be subtle. It can be extremely powerful. I remember, it's probably been about six, seven years now, seven, maybe eight years. February, last Sunday in February, I remember it well, because the next week was my birthday. And after the services that day, I had to go to my office and meet with a representative of Somerset Christian, or Somerset Academy, the charter school that we host now. I had to sign a contract. And signing that contract sealed the closing of Florida Bible Christian School. And I, and I gotta tell you, it was, not a, it was not a joyful day in my life. I was really struggling. And Satan was bombarding me with messages of you're a failure, this happened under your watch and you're no good, and you, you're, you should have never been in a pastor. And I, I was just struggling. Well, as soon as I signed the contracts, I had to go to the airport, had to get on an airplane, fly to Houston for a conference I was speaking at. And so I'm on the airplane that takes off, and you know how the airplane's real quiet when it first takes off, and everyone's buckled in, and we're kind of flying to our, climbing to our altitude. You know, I'm, I'm just processing all this, and I'm feeling like such a failure. And all of a sudden, this inner witness came upon me in the most powerful way that I've ever experienced, and I've experienced it many times. It was so powerful that it became overwhelming. Tears began to come down my cheeks. And it was such an affirming presence saying, I'm in control. It's all okay. You're not a failure. And it began to speak to me and, and be a presence in me in such a way that was comforting, but at the same time, I was starting to feel unhinged, and I was starting to feel like, like I was gonna have this physical reaction to this. Not a good thing on an airplane. <laughs> and so I began to pray, Holy Spirit, thank you, God, but the Holy Spirit, I can't take it, I can't take it, so Holy Spirit, please go away, please go away. I began to pray because it was so overwhelming to me. Finally he did, and it passed, and. We landed, and I went to Houston, and I got into the hotel, and like we typically do when we leave our family, I got on the phone, and I called Stella, and I said, hey, I'm okay, I'm at the hotel, I'm safe and everything. And honestly, by this time, I was wondering whether I had a nervous breakdown or not. I really did. And I was really hesitant to even share it with Stella. But finally, I said, Stella, I, I just got to share something with you. Something really, really unusual happened to me. And I told her the story and how the Spirit began to, to bear witness with me in such a powerful way. And she was silent, and I said, okay, confirmation, I've lost my head. I'm a, I'm, I'm a loony, I've gone. But she said, she says, Pete, during all the services this morning, I was praying for you. And I knew how much you were struggling and I prayed that God would give you a burning bush experience. And boy, did he ever. Did he ever. Now, it wasn't mystical. 
wasn't an audible voice, but God's presence was so powerful that I couldn't hold it. Now that's not always going to happen, but some of you may have had a similar experience. I will tell you that I would never pray for that experience again. I really wouldn't. But it's just, that's what God gives us. And he communicates through his presence. Unbelievers don't have it, believers have it. He also communicates this through scripture. That's why it's so important. And first on that list that I gave you last week is that we read God's word regularly. 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. In other words, human, the authors didn't make this stuff up like they're accused of doing. It says, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit inspired everything that's in our Bible. Men didn't make it up. They were carried along. They were moved to write what they moved by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul says, all scripture is, read it with me, God breathed. All scripture is what? God breathed. And that's why it's useful for teaching, for rebuking when we're gonna go the wrong way or we have gone the wrong way. That's where that conviction, that guilt comes from. For correcting, for training, for leading, for guiding in us. God will bring back scriptures that we read so long ago that we forgot about it, but all of a sudden, there they are. One of the ways that we escape is God will bring scripture to our mind. One of the ways we are comforted, God will bring scripture to our mind. But we've gotta read it so that God can revive it in us. A third way is through leadings. Now, that witness, that inner witness is there. But that inner witness isn't just a presence that manifests that God is with us. It also has the power to lead us, to guide our thoughts and our behaviors. Matthew 4, 1 says, after Jesus was baptized, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Even that, he was led by the Spirit to have that experience. Say, so, well, was God tempting him to do evil? Was he leading him to have a temptation experience? No, he was leading so that we would see that Jesus couldn't be tempted by the devil and that, therefore, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for sin. Goes on to say Romans 8, 13 and 14. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. One of the characteristics that we know are the Spirit, that we are the children of God, the sons and daughters of God, is God will lead us. God will give us promptings. Some people say it's a gut feeling. Other people say, it's, it's, but it's, it's not an audible voice. It's prompting. It's just the Holy Spirit to say and to give us direction. I remember a man not too long ago here in our, our church came to me and he said, I've been offered this amazing job opportunity. It's like double the money. It's, it's prestigious. It, it's one of the things that I need to, to really advance my career and up the ladder. He said, but I turned it down. 
And I said, why? He said, because for some reason, the Holy Spirit said that if I took that job, I was going to have to move. And my family needed this church. We're fed in this church like we've never been fed anywhere else. And so God led me to stay here. I kid you not, later on, found out that that whole section, that whole business that he was offered the job collapsed. See, God led him in a different direction. God was protecting him. Personally, I remember a Friday in my office, I got a call from one of our former members, Paul Evans. And Paul was a pilot, a pilot instructor over here at Perry, Perry Airport. And he was so excited, he just had a, a new Piper Aerosmith airplane, dual engine airplane that he bought. And he said to me, he said, he said, he said, he said Pete, he says, I'm going to fly up and have lunch with my dad up in North Carolina on Monday. I want you to come with me. We, this is an amazing plane. You've got to experience this plane. I'd flown with him other times. In fact, Paul uh, and his wife, Lily, uh, flew, Stella and I, to Eleuther Island to where I had a speaking engagement one time. He flew us there and back and uh, uh, had a wonderful time. He says, he, says, he says, come on, I want you to go with me. And I really wanted to go. <clears throat> but I had an elders meeting Monday night. That started at 6 o'clock. And I said, I got an elders meeting. He said, don't worry about that. He said, we'll be back in plenty of time from that, man. This thing could go so fast, you can't believe it. And man, he really put it on me to go. And I really wanted to go. And I was there. But all of a sudden, it changed from an intellectual thing to, to a spiritual thing. The spirit said, you know what? Don't go. Now, he didn't say, the plane's going to crash. Don't get me or anything like that. He just said, don't go. You know, storms can come up in Florida. And he just said, don't go. Well, Monday came, and Paul went. I didn't go. And had the elders meeting. The next day, I come into the office on Tuesday. And then Judy Medina, who at the time was our office manager, hit me up first thing I came in and she said, did you hear? I said, did I hear what? And she said, Paul Evans was killed in a plane crash yesterday. That plane that I was invited to get on with an experienced pilot and instructor. In fact, one of the other instructors from Perry Airport Susan Goff got on the plane with them, and they both died. Immediately after takeoff, the plane veered, went into a wooded area, exploded in a ball of flames. See, God led me to not accept that invitation. And because I listened, and trust me, I don't listen all the time, but I'm glad I listened this time. I didn't die. He will lead us. Sometimes it's simple things. I've told you before how I've pulled out of the driveway and the Holy Spirit said, go back to the house. And I pulled back in the driveway and go in the house and found out there's a burner on her or another door is unlocked or something, something like that. But once we recognize that inner witness, once we understand and identify and are able to identify that, that presence, that it's not our imagination, that it's not our emotions, but it really is the presence of God. And trust me, you can tell the difference. We begin to listen to that voice. And it's that voice that will lead us out of temptation. Also does it through circumstances. That's that combination that I just told you about with the, with, with the situation with Paul Evans, the pilot in the airplane. It was both circumstantially in that I had an elders meeting, but it was more so the leading that kept me because he said, I'll have you back in plenty of time for the meeting. Acts 16, verse 6 through 7 says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. 
Again, combination between leading and circumstances. God put circumstances in the way where they couldn't go to these two cities and province of Asia. And they were going there to share the gospel. They were not going there on vacation. They were not going there to, 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 to get involved in something they should not be. They were going there to share the gospel. And yet the Holy Spirit in their circumstances stopped them from doing it. Now that's a way that the Holy Spirit speaks and communicates with us. Sometimes circumstances affirm that we're making the right decision. I told you that uh, I've recently, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, helped my son relocate from Atlanta to Dallas to take a new job. And I knew he prayed about it, we prayed about it, about whether it was the right move. He decided, he, they offered him the job and they sought him, he didn't seek the job. <clears throat> and everything fell into place. After accepting the job, he went back home, put his house on the market that he hadn't even lived in a year yet. And in a neighborhood that was a neighborhood characterized by new constructions. That's, that's what it was. He bought a new construction. Within days, he sold his house. Everything else began to fall in place. See, those were circumstances. Through the circumstances, the Holy Spirit was affirming with him that he was making the right decision, at least so far. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will close doors of things that we want to do. And oftentimes we pout and we complain and say, oh God, you know, why God? This is what I've always dreamed of. And oh God, he was the right person. Oh, she was the right person. Oh God, it was the right job. Oh God, and we just complain and all that. But God has used circumstances to block our way. Because God sees further down the road than we do. I, 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 could, I, I know you could tell stories because I hear the amens out there. But I could stand up here for the rest of the day and tell you story after story of people in our church who have shared stories with me of how God had prevented them from things that later on turned out would have been disastrous. See? Finally, he leads us through people. God will put people in our lives to lead us in new directions or affirm or, or to protect or to prohibit. Class of example is Acts 10 verses 44 through 45. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who had heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. Quickly, this is the story of the conversion of Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. And the scripture described him as a godly man. He wasn't a Christian, but he was a godly man. He prayed three times a day, and he gave alms to the poor. He was a good person. But being a good person won't get you to heaven, will it? Being ritualistic or religious won't get you to heaven. So God sent Peter to tell him about Jesus. And when Jesus gave him the, or Peter gave him the message about Jesus, and Cornelius and his family received that message, they were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And this, the, the uncircumcised, that's the Jewish people that were with them, they were amazed. They were saying, are you kidding me? God's even given this salvation to the Gentiles? See, at that time, they thought that, that Jesus' sacrifice was only for the Jews. And now God was demonstrating, no, it's not just for the Jews anymore. It's for the Jew first, but also for the Greek. Scripture says also for the Gentiles. And God used Cornelius and his family 
Because Peter went back to Jerusalem and they had a big meeting about this with all the other Christian leaders saying, what? And they were all astonished. See, God used Cornelius and his family to demonstrate to the apostles and the early disciples that, that God now was laying out the opportunity for salvation to everyone. I remember another instance in my life. Early in my ministry, I was kind of a Jonah. You know, I've told you before, I never intended to become a pastor or be in ministry. I was going to be a professional musician. And I was always kind of reluctant to be in the ministry. I kind of went, all right, if that's what you want me to do kind of thing, you know. Well, there were times when I decided, I've had enough, I'm getting out. Because ministry's not easy. But anyhow, it was one of these times, I'm in Dallas, I'm an associate pastor in a church. And I, I just said, you know, God, you made a mistake. This isn't for me. So I started applying for jobs. And one of the jobs I applied for was at a business of one of the members of the church. I let them in on it. And it was a marketing agency. And so I wanted to be hired as a marketing agent. And so I had to come up with all these marketing ads and campaigns and stuff like that. And I presented them. I went through the whole process. And I was good. And I got into the president of the company's office. I'll never forget it. And I'm sitting there. And he said, he said son, you are exactly who we've been looking for. Man, I look at this stuff. It's amazing that you do. You are really creative. You are exactly the guy we want. And so I'm waiting. To, all right, let's start talking salary here. And then he looked at me, he said, he said, son, but I'm not hiring you. And I said, what? He said, I'm not hiring you. I said, I thought you said I'm exactly, he said, you are, you're exactly the guy. He said, he said, listen to me, son. He said, I'm not a religious man. But somehow, I cannot be the man who hires you out of the ministry. He says, I want you, but get out of my office. See, God uses people. But the message is he's always, always trying to guide our way. And the Holy Spirit is always there, impressing us, impressing people around us, controlling our circumstances. He's always there to help us have victory over our dark side. But we've got to cooperate with him. We've got to read God's word regularly. We've got to tap into the power of prayer. We've got to talk to God. We have to have relationship with him. We've got to build some common sense barriers in our life so we don't put ourselves in temptation. We need to have accountability and we need to live by the Spirit. See, all believers are indwelt by the Spirit, but all believers are not controlled by the Spirit because it's a choice that we make. Galatians 5, 16 through 17 says, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. That's why you have the struggle, because you're trying to live in both worlds and you can't do it. First Thessalonians 5.19 warns us, do not put out the spirit's fire. See, if we resist the Spirit long enough, the Spirit will say, okay, have it your way. And then destruction starts to set in. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. 
The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Now the ball's in your court. I've done my responsibility as your pastor. I've taught you about these things. I've exposed you to them. Now some of you go, oh yeah, man, I know. Yeah, I, mean, I saw all the turn time, all these scenarios are running through your head and when the Lord's done this in your life. Some of you are going, what's this about? It's a journey, folks. It's not instantaneous, it's a journey. But you have to put yourself in the process. Read God's word regularly. Tap into the power of prayer. Put some boundaries where they need to be. Build accountability in your life and learn to live by the Spirit. Learn to recognize that voice. He won't hide it from you. I promise you he won't. It's not something you've got to start looking under shells to find. All you've got to do is you've got to have a willing heart to God. And you need in your communication say, God, help me to hear your voice and help me to listen to your voice. And he will make it evident. Father, we thank you that you haven't abandoned us to our dark side, but that you have given us a way to overcome it. But it's our choice, because sometimes we just would rather dabble with our dark side. And God, the end of that is not a good end. The end of that is death, destruction, shame, guilt. But those who live by the Spirit, the end is life and peace. That's what we want, God. Help us to Help us to embrace that life. Help us to embrace that peace. Help us to practice these things. Help us to live by the Spirit. Spirit, be strong in us for our protection and for the glory of our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.